Welcome to this week's episode of Stand Out, growing in the organizing and productivity profession brought to you by NAPO, the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. Every episode, we will learn from NAPO members and subject matter experts as they share their successes, challenges, best practices, proven strategies, industry developments, and more. Please welcome our host, professional organizer, Sarah Karakayan. Hello, standout listeners, and welcome to the podcast that's all about growing in the organizing and productivity industry. My name is Sarah Karakayan, professional organizer and your host. Here at Standout, we want to focus more on growing in this exciting industry. No matter if you work for a small business, a large corporation, or if you're running your own show. And part of our mission is to expose amazing opportunities within our industry so you can continue to grow as a professional no matter what your path, which is why I'm super excited for today's guest. We are excited to have Brian Lasseter here with us today. Brian is an executive with deep experience in improving organizational performance, enterprise quality, organizational assessment, balanced scorecard and measurement, process improvement, and effective leadership. Brian has worked with dozens of organizations in a variety of industries to help them improve their performance and competitiveness. He has served 15 years on the board of examiners for the Malcolm Baldridge National Quality Award, which we will dig into deeper into our conversation here. Also served in the mid-90s as a senior evaluator for the Minnesota Quality Award, served as a judge for the Veterans Administration Baldridge-based Carey Award, and has served from 95 to 2003 and 2004 on on the board of directors for Goodwill Easter Seals of Minnesota. He is chair of the board of directors for the Alliance for Performance Excellence, the National Consortium of All State Local Quality Awards. Brian is the real deal, and I'm looking forward to learning more from him and what he does and how everyone listening can benefit. So, Brian, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. And boy, you made me sound really good. So thank you for that, too. You are really good. I've done some uh, research on you, and you have done really important work that I'm not sure all of our listeners know is going on in the industry of efficiency and productivity. So I really look forward to digging into that with you. But before we get into all that, I want our listeners to know more about you, what your story is, how you got into this really interesting line of work, and where you're at today. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, I guess the short answer is it's by accident. I think <laughs> most of us in our careers kind of stumble upon what we eventually do when we grow up. But my background's in financial services. So I worked for a, a super regional bank in St. Louis, right out of college in uh, the early 90s. It was called Boatman's Bank. I don't know if anybody listening will remember that bank, but long since gone. It's part of Bank of America now, but it was the largest bank in 10 states. And uh, I was in the operations side. So I was really learning a lot about what eventually would become my career, a lot about process and about operations and about measurement and so forth. From there, I, I spent a time at Pricewaterhouse on the strategy consulting side. And I moved from Missouri to Minnesota in 1994 to take a job with the St. Paul Companies, which is now Travelers Insurance, and was part of their six-person internal quality area. Uh, and that's where I was first exposed to the what was called the Minnesota Council for Quality at the time, now Performance Excellence Network, and now my employer. And I spent a few years volunteering with uh, that organization and have been leading it now since 2001. Wow. So your first job, you were kind of learning about processes and the organization side of business. Prior to that, did you have an interest in in how businesses were run? Or was that 
was that really by accident, really from the, or what was your interest as, as, you know, a late teen or early twenties and back then? You know, that's an interesting question. I think it goes all the way back. That's just kind of in my, my fabric. I like to see how things run. I, I like, I'm a systems thinker, I think naturally. Uh, so I like to see how pieces fit together or don't fit together, always trying to improve, uh, you know, anything I touch. And that's, you know, it's a, it's a double-edged sword because, uh, it's in my nature to try to improve things, but then, it, and some of you listening will appreciate this. It's also a curse when you're you know, standing in line somewhere at a retail place and, and it's not going as well as it should be. So I, I think I naturally gravitate towards this type of work. And, uh, and that's what I was doing at, at the bank and the Pricewaterhouse and then St. Paul companies. And when, when I first was exposed to the Performance Excellence Network and Baldridge, it just all made sense. It's, it's to my knowledge, the most comprehensive uh, management system that's available. And it really does help make the invisible within organizations a lot more visible. I'm sure it's like you said, when you're standing at line and you're just seeing all the inefficiencies that are happening, and I'm sure you just want to get in there and, and teach them what you know so that you can get out of there quicker the next time you arrive. Absolutely. I'm sure a lot of our listeners have that same... Uh, you know, and that's we like to kind of clean up messes. I mean, we enjoy that. You know, no matter what, if you're on the organizing side or the productivity side, we kind of like just seeing where everything's disorganized and and creating an efficient system. So I know our listeners can really relate to what you do, which is why I want you to talk about the Performance Excellent Network. So I was reading online about the mission and and why it actually started. And so I know I'm going to probably butcher this a little bit. So please, Brian, like. Uh, clarify after I'm done explaining here, but in Minnesota, there was some uh, an economic crisis almost where businesses were really just not performing and it really affected you know the communities because of because of this. And so performance excellent next word was born out of trying to help that so the community could thrive and actually you know every it would be good for everyone. And so that's where it was born. And so now the work that you do is to continue to help businesses be more efficient and be customer focused and quality focused. Is that correct? And can you elaborate on that? Yeah. No, you did a great job. I, I, you passed the test, Sarah. I appreciate you <laughs> doing the research. Well stated. Yeah, we were founded in 1987, actually by action of the Minnesota governor and the Minnesota legislature. And in response exactly to what you said, it was in response really to the last Great Recession, even though we didn't call it that, back in the early 80s. And really the emergence of the principles of quality and productivity. It, it was in the 80s, maybe late 70s where these ideas were starting to come forward. And, you know, a lot of a lot of manufacturers in particular and then service businesses didn't know what to do with them. So we were we were a state agency for about two years and incubated in state government and then spun off into a 501c3 nonprofit uh, in 1989. But our, our mission at the time was to help Minnesota manufacturers improve their productivity, competitiveness, and quality. And uh, when we were uh, launched into a nonprofit, we broadened it beyond manufacturers, and now we serve all types of organizations. So certainly manufacturers and service businesses, but a growing number of nonprofits of all types, you know, healthcare and education, both K-12 and higher ed, um, social service nonprofits, governmental agencies. So if you look at our membership base, and, and we're, based, we're membership based as well, it's about 250 members. Most of them are organizations, about 25 to 30% are individuals. And they represent the economy, you know, from the large and the small and everything in between and all different sectors and industries. So all, all, our mission is really to help them improve, to help them improve their outcomes, the results. And, and we do that really by doing two things. And I can go wherever you want in, in this discussion. We use Baldridge, and, and we'll talk about that here in a minute, but it is, it is that management framework uh, that's diagnostic in nature that helps leaders identify and prioritize what to improve in their enterprise. 
And we also convene all sorts of forums, breakfasts and workshops and roundtables and conferences to bring leaders, professionals, and experts together to share and learn from each other, whether or not they're using Baldrige. There's all sorts of different techniques to improve performance. So, so these forums really bring people together to share and learn from each other and, and somewhat raise all boats. I have so many questions. Terrific. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So if these businesses want to benefit from your expertise, from the Performance Excellence Network, it's hard to say, um, from their expertise, do they do they pay for the service or, or how does that work? How do, how do you find the businesses or do they find you? And, and then how does that relationship work once they feel like this would be a good fit and we could definitely improve with your help? Yeah, that's a really good question. I'm going to say something first and then answer your question Please. because I know a lot of your listeners, most of your listeners probably are not in Minnesota or North and South Dakota, the, the three states that we serve. So we are part of a national effort, and it's actually an international effort now to do this type of work. So I'll mention it probably at the end as well, but there are 29 similar organizations in the United States that are all Baldrige-based and trying to advance performance excellence and continuous improvement. So we belong to an organization called the Alliance for Performance Excellence. I think it's, I should know that website, um, baldrigealliance.org. So you can find all of us in that in that website. And then there's a, an international effort now of national quality programs that are modeled after Baldrige and belong to what's called the GEM Council. GEM stands for Global Excellence Model Council. And the, that website's excellencewithoutborders.org. And I think there's probably 80 or 90 nations now that have a very similar effort that are modeled after the United States effort. So anyway, it, you don't have to be from Minnesota. I know a lot of your listeners are not. Uh, this is part of a, a national international effort to try to, to advance these principles. So back to your question, though, we are membership-based. And in exchange for membership, you get access to a lot of our resources and discounts and member benefits. So some of our stuff is free. And we have uh, breakfast that we host in six different locations around the upper Midwest every month. So about 60 or so a year, uh, which are free for our members. It's peer-to-peer where, where a leader talks about how they're improving some aspect of their business. It might be might be straightforward process improvement or operations improvement and, and productivity and the types of things that your listeners would be interested in. But it might be leadership effectiveness or it might be customer experience or it might be workforce engagement. All the different topics that really center somewhere in that Baldrige framework. Uh, they're free for our members and we also live stream all of them and uh, record uh, most of them for on-demand video viewing. So that's where you don't have to be in Minnesota to see this great content and learn from others that are on the journey to excellence. Well, that was my next question. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was just going to say one more thing. The rest of our services are our member, non-member uh, pricing fee. So you can you can get a discount be, by becoming a member of Penn. So the members are the businesses looking for quality improvement or productivity improvement. And then if you are what, what kind of what you're doing and guiding these these breakfasts or these these educational seminars, workshops. So if, if our listeners wanted to get involved in something like this, like where should they go? Should they go to the Alliance for Performance? More like you mentioned the GEM, the global... The GEM yeah, yeah. So where, where should they... If they're like, this sounds exactly like I want to be doing more of this kind of work on a larger level, where should they go to start that, that journey of, yeah. of research? You bet. So yeah, if you're based in the United States, go to the website Baldridge, baldridgealliance.org. By the way, Baldridge is with one D. A lot of people spell it with two. Okay. Um, so it's baldridge.org. There's a map right on the homepage. You can click your state and get right into the, the local program that offers similar uh, resources and events that I just described that Penn does. If you're not in the United States, then go to the, to the website excellencewithoutborders.org. And that's that gem council that 
lists, I think it lists all of the uh, national programs that are similar to Baldur's. So you can find resources across the, across the globe that are similar. Wow. That's incredible. Okay. So I think it's time. Let's unpack this, this Baldridge uh, situation. So Perfect. I know that I know very little about it, but I do know that it was, it started in the eighties, correct? When we were kind of having mm-hmm. uh, a financial crisis and, and we had to do something yeah. about uh, quality management and customer service efforts. And so, but I'd love you to, to be more um, clear about what that is for our listeners. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, I, I don't think many people know what it is, or if, if they do, there's a misconception of what it is and what it isn't. So I appreciate the question. And maybe I'll just take a minute or 90 seconds to, as you said, unpack it, give a little bit of the history and, and what it is. Please. Yeah, Baldur's was founded the same year we were, 1987, and it was virtually for the same reasons uh, on a national level. It was in response to the, you know, the 80, 81, 82 recession. And I think more importantly, the, the United States manufacturers that were starting to lose market share and competitiveness with overseas competition, particularly in Japan and Western Europe. And the story behind the story, and, and some of your listeners might know this name, but W. or Edwards Deming, one of the quality gurus that really kind of emerged in the 50s was beginning to espouse the principles of quality. And none of the United States manufacturers really wanted to hear it. We were coming out of the World War II and expanding and growing rapidly and really didn't need anyone's help. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. So Deming went to Japan and taught him the, his principles, taught them his principles. And, you know, 10, 20, 30 years later, they started beating us at our, at our own game. This is where the automotive industry and the electronics industry and several others in Japan started to rise up and, and compete with the United States. So anyway, to make a long story short, the Baldridge program, which sits in the Department of Commerce, it actually sits in the National Institute of Standards and Technology, NIST for short. So it is a federal agency. It was created by law under the, under the Reagan administration, really with the same purpose that Penn has, to advance the principles of quality and performance excellence across the United States. So the, there is an award that comes with um, using the framework and assessment that's attached to it. Uh, but really, the whole reason why any organization would begin using this framework is to improve, to really find those precious things that they need to improve within their enterprise and focus on the, you know, the quote unquote right things so you can put your resources on the right things and, and advance improvement within the right parts of your business. Wow. So if if a solopreneur or a small business owner, even someone who works for a larger business or corporation wants to learn more about the Baldridge program and maybe install the framework to what they do, is that something they can learn from online? Are there, do you have to be certified in the framework? How does, is it just available for anyone to access and learn from and use? It is, it is. And so I'll describe what it is here in a second in, in the abstract, and that might get people excited about it. But yeah, it, it's in the public domain. So the, the framework is out there. You can go to the Baldridge website, which is nist.gov backslash Baldridge. Or if you just Google it, it'll probably be the first thing that comes up. And you can learn more about it there. There's a lot of resources, sources and articles and so forth on that website. And you can purchase the book itself. There's a, a book that gets revised every two years, which is the framework. And I think this is part of the power of that framework is that it continues to evolve and change to represent what the highest performing organizations do in the nation and then adapt those principles into the framework so that it, it's really become, you know, validated, evidence-based of best practices that any organization, regardless of size and industry and, and purpose and so forth, can use to gauge their own performance. So it's, it's a really, it's not a theoretic model. It's not academic. It's what the best of the best are doing. It's evidence-based. 
Wow. And I think that's really exciting for those of you out there who are kind of running your own show, but you feel even though you are a a productivity guru and you're very good at being effective, I mean, I think we can all benefit from learning from some sort of framework that is evidence-based that's you know, there, I'm sure there was money behind all the research, research that goes into developing this framework. So, I mean, that's it doesn't matter, you know, if in the productivity side or the organizing side, it sounds like this would be a really good tool to use in our own businesses or to bring to the business we work for to say, hey, we're not implementing this. We're not using this. Do we know anything about this? And what do you think about seeing if it could be helpful within our own enterprises. Absolutely. I think you've nailed it. I think it can be useful for the listeners within their own businesses. It's fully scalable. I mean, the the large, complex multinational organizations like, you know, Boeing and Ritz-Carlton and Cargill and others are using it. But the, you know, small mom and pop businesses and rural school districts and really everything in between, uh, it's exploding in healthcare right now uh, from large complex systems to small critical access hospitals to senior care. So yeah, using it for your own benefit, your own your own business, your own solopreneur operations, and or using it to serve those that you're working with. So this might I'm not sure how this question's gonna come out, but I you just intrigued uh brought on a question for me. But so if someone wanted to research Baldridge and then maybe implement the framework into their their line of work, what kind of commitment is that? Is it a big long and you said there's a book they they can purchase? What kind of commitment would you know a solopreneur have to maybe make some time for to be able to understand it. And then I'm wondering, is there like a series of questions that guide them towards, you know, effectiveness? And, and what, what would that look like for a business owner who already feels like they're so already, they're so, they're already so stretched, you know, thin? Yeah, no, that, that's a great question. And I'm going to, I'm going to begin with the punchline and then I'll, I'll work backwards to, to actually answer your question. Great. I, my, my sense, and I tell every leader this somewhere along the journey, it is the system that you're trying to manage as a leader anyway. So everybody's busy, everybody's stretched. You don't have time for one more thing. And and I would argue this is not one more thing. It is the system you're trying to manage. It just helps you manage it better. So so let me back up. This is the framework kind of in 30 seconds or less. It's seven categories. Categories one through six are process categories. And category seven is results. It's the outcomes that any business is trying to achieve related to finances and customer marketplace, workforce related, operations related, leadership related, and so forth. So back to categories one through six, Underneath those categories, and and briefly, they are leadership, strategy, customer, measurement information and knowledge management, workforce, and operations. Those are the six process categories. Under those categories are a series of high-level, non-prescripted, open-ended questions, each beginning with the word how and implying a process. So when we use this framework to evaluate organizations, and I can talk about that too if you're interested, we have a portfolio of different assessments. We're looking for evidence of a systematic approach to doing whatever those 270 questions are asking for. So if you have a process, is it well deployed? Are you learning from it and using data to evaluate and improve and refine that process? And how well connected, aligned, and integrated is that process to the rest of your system? So it's a really powerful set of questions that any business leader can use, really anywhere in the organization, from the CEO to mid-level leaders, department-level leaders, team-level leaders, it's fully scalable, to really reflect on how you're conducting your business and do you have an approach that satisfies what we know the best of the best are already doing. Now, having said that, 270 questions is kind of frightening to some folks, especially small business. There's a hierarchy of questions within this book. There's For the six Baldridge categories, there are 12 what we call basic level requirement questions. 
and related to leadership and strategy and customer and so forth. And under that are a series of what we call overall questions, which I think there's about 60 or 70 of those. So it's almost like peeling the onion back. You can start at a very high level and start to reflect on whether or not you have evidence of a process to do something and then go deeper once you've you know, kind of tackled those easier questions. The National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals is proud to offer NAPO University courses in various formats to accommodate different learning styles and further your education when and how you wish. And don't forget about the NAPO Annual Conference being held April 3rd through the 7th in Fort Worth, Texas, featuring pre-conference workshops, over 30 concurrent sessions, President's Reception and Keynote Speakers, Michelle Prince, and New York Times bestselling author of The Happiness Project, Gretchen Rubin. More information can be found online at napo.net. Would you say that if someone out there who's listening hasn't yet started their business or hasn't yet, you know, they're still in an, another industry, but they are looking forward to joining in on our industry. And so they're very, they're, you know, they're just the beginning or maybe even before the beginning. Would it benefit them to kind of read up on this this framework now, or or if they just started their business, you know, six months ago? Should they read this framework now, or do you kind of already need to have some sort of system in place in order to build on? Or what would you say to those listeners who are who are really new or not even yet here yet? Yeah, I, either way, if, you, if you've got an existing business, it's a great way to gauge how that business is being run. And we use the framework to find strengths and opportunities for improvement. So, you know, what are you doing well that you want to maintain or leverage or grow? And what are those gaps that you really need to, to shore up to improve performance? But if you're a new business or even starting a business, what a great, you know, blueprint for your business plan. I mean, if you start to reflect on these questions, it's, it's how high-performing organizations are run anyway. Why not build it right <laughs> from the start? And there's a set of questions, I didn't mention this, but in, in, in front of those seven categories are some context-setting questions that really are helping leaders understand the environment in which they operate. So these questions all begin with the word what, not how. And they, they talk about you know the needs of your customers and marketplace, the strategic challenges and advantages you face as an organization, your competitor's profile, your workforce profile, your competencies your mission, vision, values, those types of things. So they're, they're really intended to be statements of fact. Although if you're an existing business, I find it fascinating that a lot of leaders will not have alignment against these questions. So that's a great place to start, to have discussions, to form consensus, and to really improve alignment of you know, those key factors facing your organization. And if you're a new business, you got to start there. I mean, if you can't answer those questions, and you really don't have a great handle on the environment which your new business is going into. Absolutely. And what, listeners, what a great value add if you're in the productivity side of what we of this industry to say to to a client or a potential client that you understand what this framework is and and that you've studied it and that you can help them what what like like Brian said that larger corporations are already using and already thriving on you can help them better understand it and educate them on the framework i just think that'd be a really nice value add for someone's business because i don't think i, I maybe i maybe i'm wrong but i don't know that a lot of people like you said, Brian, know what the Baldur framework is and that and that it's available to everyone. Yeah, I think that's true. It's the nation's best kept secret. And yeah, it, it makes you sound really smart when you start when you start to understand <laughs> yes. categories and how they fit together. And, you know, as consultants or coaches or whatever your role is, or even inside of an organization is as leaders and professionals that are trying to you know advance and improve your operations. What a great template to use to inform the conversations and the Try to improve the aspects of the organization that need to be improved. 
Right. We don't have to always reinvent the wheel or feel like we have nowhere to start. Even if you had this knack for, you know, effectiveness, efficiency, productivity, we can always improve ourselves and then share that, what we've learned with our clients, with those people that we serve. And that's actually, that's at the, the core of what the Baldrige framework is, right? It's that customer service quality assurance. So this will help us in our, you know, in our pursuits in this industry, which leads me to my next question, Brian, is where do you think this industry is going? Whether our listeners are professional organizers working in residences or working for other entrepreneurs, for other businesses, do you think where is today's business market at? Are people still, are they, are, do you feel like there's a strong focus on customer service and quality assurance? Or do you think we're getting in some trouble because people are, you know, feeling that, feeling really confident right now when and they're kind of letting that stuff go? What, what do you see? That's a great question. And kind of all of the above is the right answer. It, I think trends emerge and change and, and kind of evolve over time. And, you know, we might be in a period of complacency right now, it, you know, we're enjoying 10 years of economic expansion, although there's some early warning signs that that may be ending sometime soon. Um, and I think organizations sometimes get complacent and don't focus on the fundamentals of what makes organizations successful. So, you know, when, when things start to go wrong and, and marketplaces start to change, either at a macroeconomic level or within specific industries, I would always suggest getting back to the basics, getting back to the fundamentals and focusing on customers and their needs. And, and really, do you have an approach to systematically listen to what your customers are telling you, you know, the voice of the customers, so to speak? Are you really listening to your employees and, and engaging them to contribute to their utmost and, and leveraging their capabilities and talents and so forth? Are you focusing on process? And this will be a probably a direct fit for a lot of your listeners. You know, the, the way that business is conducted where you take inputs from your suppliers or partners and you convert them to outputs that's presumably of some value to customers in a systematic, thoughtful, you know, efficient way. I think in some ways, uh, not getting complacent and focusing on those fundamentals and, and using a framework like Baldur's to kind of reflect on what's going well and what might be those areas to improve is important today as, as maybe ever. And I, and I think the, the other thing I'm, the other trend I'm seeing is organizations that are oftentimes combining different tools and techniques into a more robust system. Um, I mentioned earlier, Baldrige is non-prescriptive. And, and I think that's part of the power of the framework. It doesn't tell you how to improve aspects of your business. It shows you what you should improve. But there's a lot of different tools and techniques and methods out there that you can apply once you find what those areas should be. And I think the, the organizations that are most successful you know, find the right tool for the right application in their organization. And you, know, you can't use a hammer to to, to screw in a screw, you, you know, to butcher a metaphor, you, you've got to find, yeah. you've got to find what to improve first and then find the right tool to imply that improvement in that area in that process. So I think, I don't know if the trend or, or something that's new and unique, but I think the more sophisticated, more successful organizations, at least in the last few years, have found ways to combine these different improvement techniques into a more robust system. Because oftentimes leaders will say, you know, I can't do boulders because I'm already doing lean or I'm or I already have an efficiency program or I'm already doing ISO or whatever it is. Well, and that may be true from a resource point of view, but each one of these frameworks and tools has a different purpose. And combining them or leveraging them to, to really maximize the intent of all of them, I think, is, is where most organizations need to go. Ooh, so you just, I'm sure our listeners like, what's lean or what's, you know, what's ISO? So you're going to have to explain what those are in case people listening don't know what those are other frameworks for 
for organizations, I'm assuming. So would you mind explaining to them what, what those are? Yeah, absolutely. There, and I could probably list 30, 30 years more, but, uh, but I won't. Uh, <laughs> Lean, and some of you listening probably know what Lean is. It's been around now for, gosh, 30 or 40 years probably, but it's really gotten popular in the last 10. And it, it is rooted in virtually the same principles I mentioned earlier with Deming and process improvement. And it, it comes from Japanese uh, techniques to really eliminate or at least reduce waste within a system, within a process. And so it, it studies a way of doing business, a process, and tries to eliminate steps or rearrange steps or, you know, just change the way the process is operating so that you, you maximize efficiency and eliminate waste. There's some really simple techniques that fit underneath Lean, kind of a toolkit, if you will. One of them that I, that I really like and think it's easy for anyone to, to use, and especially those in, in your field, productivity and, and efficiency and, and organizing and so forth, is the 5S approach. <laughs> there are Japanese words for each of the, the 5Ss, and I won't try to pronounce them, but in English, uh, it represents sorting, straightening, or, or setting different elements of a process, shining or sweeping or cleaning different steps of a process, standardizing different steps of a process, and st- sustaining the performance. So those it's almost a helpful checklist, and there's some tools underneath it to go into those five S's, but it, it's a great way of organizing and improving efficiency within an existing process. So that's the essence of Lean. There, there's other tools out there too, Six Sigma, some of your listeners might have heard of, which goes beyond Lean into more trying to improve or to reduce the variation within a process. So if you think about any process, it produces out, outputs, uh, you know, products or services or whatever it is on the, on the backside, and there's variation in those outputs. And so Six Sigma uses statistical techniques to try to eliminate that variation within the process. It started with manufacturers and, and probably is still uh, the most used within manufacturing, but you can use it in any transaction business. You think of financial services or hospitality or anything that has a lot of volume, uh, you can really reduce the airline industry, for goodness sakes. You don't want planes crashing all the time. So how do you really reduce the, the variation within that process to get to Six Sigma, which is uh, 99.999 several nines? of performance within a process. So this work is really important. It, it, you know, it's from the foundation of what the Baldrige framework came out of or the Performance Excellent Network came out of. It came out of us not paying attention to our customer, to our clients, to those people who are paying for our services. So, um, I mean, and that then can get, it can compound and really affect a community. So, and like you said, like planes crashing, like, you know, they, it really is, it's, it's paying attention. And I even think right now, Brian, like you said, we were enjoying 10 years of of being comfortable. So is it now a great time to to reevaluate and to pay attention to, you know, if if history repeats itself, like let's get ready for those times when things are going to be a little more, you know, leaner and uh, maybe not as easy to conduct business. And so that might be an opportunity for our listeners to kind of reach out to businesses and and maybe I, I use the word pitch, but suggest them that it might be a good time to, like you said, go back to the foundation and make sure that they are adhering to some sort of framework to ensure their success as the years continue on. Is that something that the Performance Excellent Network does? Do you reach out to businesses too, or do you let them come to you and you kind of just do a general outreach? Or just because I want our listeners to maybe get some ideas about how they can grow their outreach and, and help more people. Yeah, well, that's one of our opportunities for improvement, quite honestly. I think we're the state's best kept secret, or the region's best kept secret. A lot of our marketing is through word of mouth and referrals and, and organizations finding us and coming to us. But we do some of the traditional marketing with a lot of on the website and social media and 
email blasts and things like that. But and we're trying to get more sophisticated with the use of purchase marketing and and so forth. But uh, it is a lot of word of mouth. And yeah, I, I think you're hinting at a point though too that I, that I think is really important. Any organization, any individual professional can improve their performance. And and the time to think about that improvement is when you don't need it. Mm-hmm. When you're in, when you're in crisis, it's tough to really you know see through the noise and so forth. But I think all all times are good to to systematically improve how you do things, but especially when times are good and to really preparing for when times are not so good. And, you know, it is a discipline. It requires some some support and focus and determination. It requires visionary, visionary leadership. And quite honestly, it's easy to get complacent and just kind of do the day in and day out. But you're really stretching yourself and uh, being humble enough to say, you know, to apply a standard of excellence like Ballbridge, finding the, the things that you're not doing so well and saying, hey, you know, we really need to prove this or that in our business to, to add value to our customers or engage our workers or improve our overall outcomes. Absolutely. Brian, you're so knee deep in, in all of this and you have such an extensive background in all of this. Is there anything we haven't talked about today that our listeners might benefit from you sharing with us? Or do you feel like you've really given us a a great general outline of all that's out there for those listeners who really want to dig into more of the productivity and efficiency side of of organizing. Yeah, I think we've hit most of it. I, there's a lot of learning opportunities in all those websites I mentioned earlier, and I can repeat them if people are coming in and out of the podcast. But I think that's a great place to start. There's reading material out there on all the concepts we talked about. There's there's workshops and conferences and, and training and so forth available. The National Ballers Program hosts an annual conference every early April, so it's coming up, hmm. called Best for Excellence. So that's a, a two-and-a-half-day great opportunity to learn from these highest-performing organizations and what they're doing to advance you know, productivity and competitiveness. Penn hosts our own conference about a month later, early May. Most of the 29 programs in the Alliance for Performance Excellence across the United States have conferences or workshops or some sort of training event. So I you know, I would, I would read more and, and, and or attend events to learn more. But I think the, the one thing I'd mention here is that your folks, the, those that focus on organi- organizing and productivity, are part of a larger family that they might not even realize of kindred spirits of people trying to advance continuous improvement and performance excellence in all sorts of different enterprises across the country and the world. Yeah, there are just listeners, there's so many ways for you to expand your own network, whether it's, you know, online joining groups or it's, you know, going to conferences. I, you know, NAPO, we have a conference that's coming up in April and I mean, the Baldridge has a conference. I mean, there's just so many ways for you to improve the services that you already offer, learn from other people. There's always ways for us to improve, even if we're, you know, on the productivity side of things and, and we're already kind of good at that. I, I just think that you kind of add, have that value add if you can introduce the Baldridge framework or or really become a professional at, at the lean framework. So thank you, Brian, for sharing all those. And we'll make sure that all those websites get into the show notes so that if you're driving right now and you can't write down this, you know, any of these, we'll, we'll have them in the show notes for you. Brian, at the end of all of our interviews, I always ask my guests to leave us with two sticky notes so that our listeners can kind of, if nothing else from this, inter- you know, from our interview, what you two high impact things to take away from what the work that you do that our listeners can apply either to their own business or their line of work to make a big change or to change the services they provide and, and improve on them. What would those two sticky notes be? Yeah, I can only pick two, right? I, I can't. <laughs> I'll let you have three or four if you've got it. They're really good. 
I'll honor the tradition here. You know, one, one, I think you're hinting at it right now, Sarah, and it's to borrow a phrase, keep the saw sharp. You know, the the world is changing and probably accelerating and the techniques that uh, used to be cutting edge for improving improving productivity and, and efficiency and performance are much different today than they were, you know, even 10, 20 years ago. So I I think, you know, studying up on Baldridge, maybe reading a little bit more on Lean or Six Sigma or Balance Scorecard or any sorts of other techniques, uh, just keep yourself fresh and, and keep yourself exposed to how the world's changing out there. Right? Interestingly enough, and this is part of the power of Baldridge I mentioned earlier, it continues to change and evolve as well. And so if you, if you read the changes in the framework questions every two years, they're pretty subtle and incremental. If you pick up a book from 10 years ago, it, it's almost night and day. And, and, make, and that makes sense. You know, what, what drives performance excellence today is so much different than what drove it a decade ago. So my first sticky note is keep the saw sharp, keep um, being exposed and educated to the principles of productivity and competitiveness and excellence. The second one is to, has, is to have an open mind. And, you know, all these techniques, I think, are developmental in nature. And you don't have to be good to want to get better. I suppose if you're bad, you, you probably should focus on getting <laughs> Good. <laughs> good. But if you're good, you can, to borrow another phrase, you can become great. And so start where you are. And even, you know, in your own organizations, in your own solopreneur operations, think about what you might do to, to improve some aspects of your business. And, and certainly if you're a consultant or a coach, use those same, same techniques with the ones you're serving. But, you know, start where you are. But for goodness sakes, just start. I think everything in a business is a process. That's one of my philosophies. And all processes can be improved, changing the way that the process is, is managed and, and designed and uh, to achieve better outcomes. So for, for goodness sakes, just start. Thank you, Brian. If our listeners wanted to reach out to you, maybe see how they can get more involved. I know we kind of talked about it, but I think you're going to pique a lot of interest in this interview. So where can our listeners kind of connect with you here? Yeah, well, my, I rattle off all sorts of websites, but not my own organization. So I probably should do that. It's, it's performanceexcellencenetwork.org. So that's Penn's uh, website, and you can find me through that way. I'm also on LinkedIn. I don't even know what my handle is. I think it's Lasseter Brian. I should probably know that. I think, yeah, I, I searched Brian Lasseter and I, I found you. So. <laughs> okay, well, they can find me that way too. I'm happy to connect that way. I'm on Twitter too, and that one's Lasseter Brian, I know. So there's several ways to find me, but love to engage in a conversation with anybody that was interested in what I had to say today. We really appreciate your time, Brian. And listeners, I really want you to think about that. So we talk about you know helping businesses improve their processes and improve their productivity and efficiency. But at the same time, we want to make sure that we're also staying, keeping our saw sharp, as Brian suggested in, in his two sticky notes, that you know we're not void of, of needing improvement. So the world is changing. Technology is changing. If you're not, if maybe that's one of your weak points, then then make this the year where you really understand a project management system or or make this the year that you buy the book on the Baldrige framework and offer that value to your clients. Are you going to conferences this year? I mean, it, conferences are a financial commitment, but if you're in this industry, you need to keep up with who's doing what, how they're doing it, and in what way they're getting it done. So, you know, I know uh, NAPO, the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals, we have a conference coming up here in April. We have it every year. I mean, this Baldridge conference, I, after this interview, Brian, I'm going to go uh, research what that's all about because, you know, it's just important to 
to keep at it. So I'm Sarah Karakayan. That wraps up this episode of Stand Out. And as always, I just want to thank you for being here with me and learning with me. If you like this podcast, if you're able to walk away with any sort of inspiration or something valuable, what we need you to do is to leave us a review. Let us know what you think of the podcast and then hit that subscribe button. That helps us bring in amazing guests like Brian to hit those um, airwaves each and every time and and provide you with this wealth of knowledge. So we want to reach as many organizing and productivity professionals as possible. So in addition to subscribing and reviewing, I know we're asking a lot, but feel free to share this in every episode with your colleagues, your team, and whoever else might benefit. I look forward to hanging out with you next time. I'll talk to you then. That's all for today's episode of Stand Out, brought to you by NAPO, the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. Be sure to visit napo.net to join, learn more about our educational offerings, local chapters, and more. Mm-hmm.